0: Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge. And on today's show, Kevin White, assistant men's basketball coach at Aquinas College, joins the show and we talk about ball screen defense. In fact, throughout this episode, he touches on seven different ways to defend the ball screen. He gives us drills. He gives us actions. He gives us some of the common teaching points. It is an excellent episode if you want to improve ball screen defense. I had the chance to observe coach white's clinic on ball screen defense at a recent coaches clinic hoop smart in grand rapids michigan i said man that's a podcast right there so we were fortunate to have him on the show so coach white can't thank him enough for being on this podcast Uh, he has a handful of coaching experiences at different small college conferences throughout the Midwest. And he's always uh, made his bread and butter with defense. And uh, that was very evident as we went into our interview today. Now, last thing before we get to the show, we have had a lot of new listeners heading into basketball season. So one, if you're a new listener, appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you've been with us for a long time, we appreciate you as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, But if if you don't know me, my name's Steve Kramer. I'm from Michigan. I played small college basketball, Hope College, got my degree in education, wanted to be a teacher, high school basketball coach, had the chance to play overseas. And when I came back, um, I was putting that education to to use, and I got into high school basketball coaching. Um, But as things turned out, I ended up starting my own basketball business, and it's been almost eight years of focusing on player and program development, working with players, working with coaches around the country, and here we are with the Coach's Edge and the Coach's Edge podcast. So that's a little bit about me. Just I just want to say that real quickly because we've had so many new listeners over the past uh, couple months. So thank you again to Coach White uh, for getting into the show. And uh, if you like this, positive rating, positive review goes a really long way. We certainly appreciate it. Let's get to it. like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to Coach Kevin White of Aquinas College. Coach, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's funny how through the world of basketball, we've known each other with a lot of the same people and being two MIAA guys. Proud to say that. Uh, I'm happy not to put you down on the scouting court anymore.
0: But <laughs> well, you're you're helping everybody with uh, with scouting now with what you're going to break down in in this episode. But it's a small basketball world, and uh, you know, following you from afar, but then being able to touch base over this past month. You and I were were speakers at the same uh, clinic in Grand Rapids, Hoop Smart Clinic, and um, you know, I had you booked to record a podcast uh, over the past month. But when I attended your clinic on um, ball screen defense and your breakdown, and I was watching it and I got some some video clips of some of the drills, I was like, this is the podcast right here. Even though we <laughs> don't have the video to break down everything you showed at the clinic, uh, you being able to give our coaches different ideas and strategies and some, and some drills of what good ball defense, ball screen defense can, can look like. I was like, that's going to be the podcast.
1: <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, I, I thought the clinic was great. Um, for the listeners out there that we have it next year, we got let's try to get 400 coaches there because I think our state um, needs to be at a, a clinic like that because it touches every level. But even though our great high school boys and girls coaches in our state, all over the state, um, it was great. I mean, I stayed and listened to some coaches as well. So, I mean, I think it's a great – Ken does a great job, like you said.
0: Yeah, I was there all day long. I took away a ton of great nuggets, and uh, your your breakdown on ball screen defense was was one of them. So, yeah. as we, I mean, you've you've made your chops as a as a college coach really hammering home defense, and that being a mm-hmm. big focus for for you. Um, so, could you share with us before we break into the details? What are some of those uh, overarching themes or goals that that you have when you think of good strong solid ball screen defense
1: well I think the first thing is communication and then um, I think ball screen defense is one of those things you can't just walk through and kind of not give the whole team emphasis on everyone's tied to the basketball and everyone's tied to stopping the ball and of course everyone's tied to the ball screen even if your man's not setting it I mean those are the main things you know I've been blessed real quick I mean I've worked with Jay Smith Joe Hacklin, Steve Profrock, Jason Martin. Like, I've worked with some really, really good head coaches and directors of programs who let me do defense. Um, I've kind of – when I had Joe Hacklin, when you were – back when you were playing at Hope, like, that was one of the ways as a young assistant, he thought I'd be able to have a niche to get my next job because every coach wants to be on the offensive side of the ball. And he just thought defense for me was the best way to go, and I've kind of just hung my hat on that. And ball screens now are the, the new wave, as we know. And uh, – being able to guard that, do different things with it and getting everybody involved in it and then talking to other coaches about how they guard it. I mean, you really got to have a plan. Like you can't build a house without blueprints. And right now you're not going to watch any basketball game, men or women at any level, they're not setting a ball screen. So you got to be able to guard it.
0: I mean, 100%. I, I think I saw a stat or another one of our coaches that came on and they were talking about ball screen within their offense. And I wanted to say that they they said almost 75% of possessions at the Division One level two seasons ago, had at least one ball screen at some point, even if you yeah. know late clock or whatever. It's just, it's so, so common, which is why I know this is going to be a really popular episode because so many people are doing it offensively. Well, how could we start to stop it? And I know you have yeah. some great strategies uh, for how we can start to, to do that. And I love it, the communication piece. I mean, what's a great defense without communication? I mean, it's just a bunch of people running around with their heads cut off. Um, so being on the same pages is huge. How do you go about building and teaching that, that concept of a great ball screen defense with your players?
1: Well, one way, I mean, as a kid growing up, spending summers in Detroit, not being able to go outside very much, I got to watch the Karate Kid about 5,000 times. And my grandpa used to tell me, you know, to be a good athlete, you got to have those kind of breakdown scenarios, paint the fence, wash the car, and you got to build it from there. So my cliche of the Karate Kid would be, you got to have breakdown drills like you saw at the clinic to build up to your overall five-on-five. And that helps the kids get engaged, your athletes be engaged in what's really going on. You're trying to win the game within the game. So communication is part of the game, and then the breakdown drills are part of the game. So you're trying to win, teach your players the importance of team defense in one-on-one, in one-on-one. You know, hard hedging against the cone may not make no sense in November, but in March, down two, trying to guard a side pick and roll. You remember you've two-stepped hedge now for four months. So it should be just a reaction, not Oh, I've never done this before. And it helps the coaches coach the kids up.
0: Mm-hmm. It becomes automatic. So, um, yeah. are there any? I know as we dig into this, one of my next questions, we'll talk about specific types of ball screen defense. But what are some of the more general drills, if, if you can explain on audio,
1: that you like to
0: use with your players?
1: Definitely. I like to do two on two on two, but you're going to go just the ball screen this is the guy defending the ball screen and no um defensive player guarding the ball so the ball's at the top of the key you throw it to the wing and the big runs up from the block because you're going to get that a lot you're going to get the, what i call a race on ball screen when the big comes up or trailer situation where the big comes down and you just work with the big on one end of the court of practice on your hedging or your flat hedge or whatever then on the other end you get a dummy or a cone and you just work on the guards getting over the ball screen or getting around the ball screen. And then you like, it's almost like football. You put the linemen on one side, the wide receivers and quarterbacks over here. Then you put it all together and make like a team four and four shell type of drill. Like that's always how I've been blessed. And the coaches I've had, they've let me teach ball screens that way. kind of whole part whole. And it kind of makes sense when you watch it in practice and you go five on five it kind of cleans up a lot of the questions that the kids might have, because you're breaking it down to like one specific thing.
0: How do you? How does that look with, uh, I'm, I'm trying to visualize, okay, ball goes from the top to the wing. You have that uh, screener coming up from the block, and you're setting it there, and then
1: you're working through that, the footwork or that movement with the big, is that right? Correct. So my chest is going to be, if, I, if I'm going to um, hedge it, what I would call red, um, learn from Jay Smith, Give your defensive calls colors. So um, big shout out to him. So a red is a hard hedge. I'm going to have my, as he runs up, my voice is going to get there before I do. So it's real big on communication right away. You got to get guys to talk and fall in love with talking and calling the screens out. And you're going to run up with your hand on his outside hip and stay with him from two steps. And you're going to run and go protect the rim. We call the rim being in the hole. But the most important thing is just that piece of running up with the guy, be engaged when the ball screen is coming, don't be late and then have your chest facing the sideline because a hard hedge would look like almost like you're trapping. Mm-hmm, and a lot mm-hmm. of coaches make the mistake of letting that big kind of, well, he's not very athletic, he's not very mobile. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be hard hedging then. Mm-hmm. You know, you know your personnel, you know your style. What we do might work for us, but like what you guys do for your team may not work. So like when you were at Hope, hard hedging would have been really, really easy because you guys had a seven footer. Well, looking at the Hope team from the clinic, I didn't see very many seven-footers. Still really good, but maybe doing something different because it's a different style of team and different style of big. And then how important is your big on the offensive end when you're hard hedging? You know, you get two fouls on a big guy and you're throwing the post kind of team defensively, not pushing a pick on the other end. So Mm -hmm. really breaking down the form and technique and then repeating it over and over and over. See, I was blessed to coach football for a little while. And I stole a lot of what we what I do defensively from football and how they teach things in football. You know, so a lot of the high school coaches that are gonna to listen to this. You should go watch a high school football practice for the breakdown portion, how the linebackers go over there, the defensive ends go over there, and they work on the footwork and the technique. That's how I came up with this ball screen defensive philosophy was by watching how they break down drills for football.
0: I, I love it. And we have a seven footer, but we had a big we had a big team. I think my junior year we went 696767 six, seven with our you know our some of our three front line guys and that was uh that was pretty big whether you're D1 D2 D3 we had some size
1: <laughs> exactly and you can, so I'm not going to hit the roll man because I can't see over him mm-hmm. I can't throw back if there's a guy in the corner I'm really just trying to escape almost to get the ball moving and with with good rotation and good communication with a team of size like you guys had it's hard to run your ball screen offense you almost got to i want to take you out of that Right. That's my philosophy. I want to. If you're a ball screen team, we're gonna have we're gonna be so sound guarding it that you're gonna have to go to something else, mm-hmm. or you're gonna have to prep for me for two days to running something else because you've been scoring on the ball screen the last three games. Now you're playing against me, and you know we cover it well. So now you got to prep for something else in a short turnaround. You're not gonna be as sharp on this new offense you're trying to put in in a couple day prep. So that's right. the one thing I learned from some of my bosses is be good covering the ball screen nowadays makes the other team have to run something else or go to something else.
0: Sure. Now we, you talked a little bit about some of the things the big has to do. And I, I love, you said, hand on the hip, staying attached. And uh, sometimes those, those bigs will get unattached and you get a good guard, a shifty guard. They can make you pay if you're not attached, but I, a lot of guards get hung up on the ball screen. And you mentioned Correct. a little bit of how you break that down. So whether they're going under, whatever your concept, is they're they're repping that out. And I don't think most coaches are getting that detail with it. Can you break down a little bit of how you practice that guard being on ball? Now they got to worry about that, that other player coming in to set that screen or getting ready to hit them. How do you work on that
1: movement of going high or low? Well, one thing thing we do, we start everything with a closeout or the guard popping out in a half court situation. So we're going to pop out and let the guard catch it. And then now the guy setting the ball screen, there's going to be no hedge or no nothing. So he's just going to go over to the screen every time. It could be a manager. It could be the coach. You know, sometimes you got the young assistant. who you still got, he still do it and hop in the drill for you. And you're going to shoot your leg and arm through. And they're going to be the hammer, not the nail. I'm a big proponent early in the game. You know, you got to teach your players to play with fouls. Cause we have great officials, but they're going to call fouls. It's part of their job. So the first ball screen you go on against my team, you might get knocked on the ground because I'm gonna try to fight like crazy to get through it. And we know you're a ball screen heavy team and we're trying to take that away. So you're gonna shoot your near leg and near arm through and get your hips down in between the, the bigs knee and thigh. Now it may sound like it's a bit illegal or somewhat dirty, but you know, like you said in your hope teams, you had size and they don't like getting clipped in the hip and the knee and the thigh all game long. And they're at the advantage because they're bigger and stronger. We have to use our technique to get through. And there's no excuse for getting caught up on the screen if you're connected to the ball and you have help with the hedger. So even if you get clipped a little bit, you still got to fight like crazy to get over the top of the screen to stay connected. If that young man or young woman is a threat coming off the ball screen, if not, we will blue it, we'll flat hedge and go underneath because the roller is really good. So, like, for example, you're playing Deontay Davis when he was at Muskegon. We're going to blue that ball screen because Keith's going to set that for his big man to roll to the rim. So that's one of the main things we're going to do.
0: Now, this is great. That's great yeah. detail, how you, how you broke it down. And I mean, yeah. just being physical with uh with the screener. And I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, I know we have some officials that listen to this, too, but most officials generally aren't calling uh, that foul on the guard when there's a big coming to set a screen. They're, they're usually given that guard defensively a little more leeway as far as mm-hmm. you know how physical they can be with that big who's setting the screen on to be able to fight through and get through. You just can't be a, a dead fish and, and flop around and, and all, the, no, all no, that no, stuff. No, and nobody exactly. wants, obviously. Yep. Be yeah. physical fight through. I love, I yeah. love that. Um, let's get specific with some of these ball screen actions. And I mean, if it's not something that you've ever broke down with your guys, not something you do, then we can skip over it, but there's a handful of ways that we can guard different types of, of ball screens. I mean, you talked about right. hard hedging, you talked about uh, more of that, that flat head showing. Um, icing ball screens has yeah. been something that is, I mean, we see that, more than anything, I mean, and that's gone from you know international to NBA now to college and the high school. Um, what are some things that you like to break down with with your guys? If that's something that you're teaching,
1: uh, one of the things that that was, that we haven't really touched on yet is the slip or mm-hmm. the pick and pop and how to right. cover that. Um, you know, as you know, playing and being around the game so long, scouting has turned into a huge thing, and being able to read knowing who you're guarding, you know? Like, I will use you as an example. You want a ball screen, diving in the rim, I'll, I'll I'll live with that. You popping, probably don't want that happen. Because if you catch it with range, you're going to make that shot. Um, and that was one of the things when you played and other guys I've coached against, knowing the screener and what he's good at and how we're going to defend that screener on that side of the floor. So um, definitely icing the ball screen is something I've continued to study. It's just to me, you're bringing two guys to the ball, so we're going to make you play off the two guys. We're not going to leave a guy off. That's just my, I'm kind of, you've seen me, I'm kind of an aggressive guy. So Mm -hmm. laying off with the big and kind of playing off of him and making, letting giving him a read, is kind of giving him an out almost. You're going to bring two guys to the ball offensively. We're going to know what you do well. So if you come off really good guard, we're going to hard hedge it and stay connected to you. If you're trying to get the role man every time, then we're going to stay connected. And the most important thing, are the gentlemen or ladies off the ball? A lot of coaches, in my opinion, let those guys and those girls just hang out. They're not engaged in what's going on. So, your whole person is going to take the rim. Somebody's got two. Um, we have spread spacing when you'd have the ball on the left side and three people on the right perimeter. Or you're going to have triangle spacing when you have a person on the block and two people on the perimeter and walking through those kind of combinations when the screen happens and what those people do well. You know, you got someone on the right side of the floor in spread space and who can't shoot. Well, you can really load the ball into the ball screen to impact the ball screen. Because here's the funny thing. Why is a team running a two-man action? It's for probably the two people in it or the person one pass away to get them the ball. Mm-hmm. So we got to get – we have to be aggressive at the point of contact, Still another football theory, to get the ball out of their hands. So icing it, to me, not a huge fan. I think it's smaller, college where I've been my whole career – It's harder to coach because there's too many options. And, you know, I've been blessed to coach really smart kids and coach against really smart kids. If they get time to read it at small college level, they'll pick you apart. And everybody can shoot, as you know. I mean, we talk about the clinic, like I try to name one shooter on your team when you play and you name four more. And I remember all four of them could shoot. So it's hard to hard to just ice the guy and kind of take one guy away.
0: <laughs> that was funny. You you asked like who our shooter was. I named like four guys before I got to the one you were talking about because everybody could shoot. I mean, everybody you see that shoot. especially at the small college level. Like, yeah, there's a reason that those guys or girls are college players. Uh, a lot of yeah, it is exactly. you know their skills, their shooting ability is is uh, just as good, if not better than you know some bigger schools that might have more talented. More talented athletes, no question. Correct. No question about that. Um, so, with with this, I mean you're you're an aggressive guy, and that that's definitely coming through with some of your style of of defense. I wanted to ask you this next one, and you can also like you did a great job breaking down some of those responsibilities of that off ball defender, those help side defenders, who's tagging up. Uh, so feel free to sprinkle in those details, okay, as well. But another common ball screen coverage is trying to get everybody to shoot the mid-range, right? And so being yeah. able to use more of that drop-style defense with the big, fighting over top, and to be able to get that guard not to pull the three, but to get into that mid-range and shoot a contested shot over the big, whatever it might be, has become something that we're seeing more and more of as well. Um, are there any strategies? Is that something that you've used at all?
1: Yeah, and I've, I've used with the help. Okay. So balls on the left side of the floor, he comes off. We're going to drop our big, you know, I was the the Wisconsin Stout last year. We had a really good, big, had great feet. um, And we just would just drop, we needed him on offense. So getting him in foul trouble was not a good plan. (laughs) So hard hedging with him was not, the boss was not okay with him getting two fouls from hedging or soft hitting. So we would drop coverage and we would try to find the non-shooter and help off in the middle of the floor, coming to the middle, right, left to right. And we would make him shoot that 15 footer. Because we know that point guard was a three or nothing, or to the basket or nothing. So we drop and stay in the middle of the floor, and that person on the right side, we stun at the ball till he picks it up, and they make him shoot that 15 footer because we saw on film or we saw in the scout, he, he's either shooting twos off the ball screen and missing them, or making threes, or getting in the lane and getting fouled or getting in one. So we got to give him, we're going to give up. Let me say this too you're going to give up something. Sure. I mean, we have gentlemen like you and other people that kids are working with, and are, the offensive end of the game its gotten a lot better. You got to be living with what you give up. You can only give up something, not a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give a, a two point shot to a guy that doesn't make them. Now we got to rebound it to finish it. So in the drill work, give up that two and miss, but then we have to rebound the ball. Because what really hurts you is you give up that two to the non shooter. They get an offensive rebound and one putback or offensive rebound kick out three. Now you're giving up too much stuff. So that's why you have to be sound off the ball with your help, the helper, your stunt guy, and the guy's who's going to guard two and his closeout. Mm-hmm. So we'll come off a ball screen and drop coverage and not let the big, not let the guard shoot it, but kick it to the corner. Now we got to close out and play that live. Now that I call that, I call that fixing it. Now we got to fix it. It got messy. Now we got to fix it because when we fix it, coaches don't overcoach the fix it part, make the players figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're really sagging off of the one non-shooter on the weak side, correct?
1: Yeah, that's a that I mean I hope yeah. Rajon Rondo doesn't listen to that, listen to this, but it's a rondo call. Yeah. Like I got I'm I'm Rondo. I'm Rondo. Like, and he could be in the weak, he could be in the weak left corner and we're coming all the way over. We're gonna leave him open.
0: Okay. If, so regardless if, of where they are guy, on the court, that's your that's your main help guy.
1: Yeah, that's your main help guy. Gotcha. And, and it comes from any it, it comes from From some trust in your players and teaching them the importance of reading the scout. And as you know, reading the scout and knowing who's who, knowing who we're helping off of. And again, right at the beginning, it's communication. I mean, all the coaches I've talked to and all the practice I get to go to, especially if anybody gets a chance to go to a coach, a a practice at a small college, the talk is really, really good at the really good small college level. Especially the really good team. The communication is 100% buy into the philosophy and terminology. I mean, you can steal so much from a small college practice. Just listen to the kids talk to each other on the floor.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you're a high school coach listening, take your guys or your girls to a small college practice because, yes. I mean, it's a huge difference. You know, you talked about the communication aspect of it. Huge difference going from even a good high school basketball program to any college basketball program. The level of talk, communication, that's a noisy, loud gym. And yes. you've heard, you've heard to saying a silent gym is a losing gym right? And yes. just the communication, you got to light that gym up. Um, and so you did a great job explaining that as well. So we've talked a little bit about drop coverage, talked a little bit about ice and ball screens, um, and, and some some hard hedges as well. Um, do you guys ever do any switching?
1: Yes, light screens, we can switch. Okay, which is nice, but it looks like a hard hedge. So I'm going to Reddit. I'm just going to keep giving my terminology away. That's why we're here. Into a switch, so we're gonna red it into four. So our defensive coverages have numbers. So five would be half court man to man. Four would be switching everything. So I'm gonna red the ball screen, but we're gonna. So I'm red, 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 red. Four, 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 four. So we know we're switching. But as I'm running up, or we're doing on the perimeter, we can do that. We can do that with dribble handoffs, and we can do that with uh, ball screens. And again, like screens. So. A two and a three and one and a two, you know, you usually don't switch one and five naturally. You're not going to do that. Um, and then late game or late clock in small college, is a great time to do that. You know, that point guard is really good in the ball screen action and you know what's coming. We're just going to switch it because we, he's just too good. You know, I'll, I would think of back to when Deshaun Thrower was at uh, Fair State and they would go, Bronco, Coach Bronco would go late clock and uh, talk to some coaches like, how would you guard that? I'm like, well, it's Thrower, like you got to switch it. You can't hard hedge him with the big because he's just going to go around him. You know he's just too athletic, he's too skilled. Or I'm going to trap him and get the ball out of his hands. One or the other, he can't make the play, and that's why I'm big on ball screen defense. The coach is putting the ball in certain guy's hands to get an action for him to do something with it. My job is to get it out of his hands so someone else has to do something with it.
0: No, I love it. Um, you mentioned trapping the ball screen. There are is there any? specific drills or concepts that you try to emphasize with with your guys when it says, hey, we're going to get it. We're going to double this screen.
1: Uh, one one drill we do and one drill I've done in places I've been um, would be uh, it's like three on three closeout. Everybody's got to touch it twice. When the ball gets back to the middle, we're going to set a side ball screen. The middle guy can throw it anywhere he wants once the guys kind of pop up and move. And we're going to trap that and we're going to leave – this is the key. We're going to trap it, and the helper has the roll man. So, again, we're on the left left wing. Ball screen happens. Those two guys trap it. There's a guy in the right wing. He's going to take the roll man. Then we're going to add bodies to make it five on five, and we're going to practice the rotation or, excuse me, fixing it out of the track. So when we trap, we no longer have matchups, and that's a big teaching point to teach young players, even college players. Like, if we're going to trap, we're, no, we're now going to an area to try to cover up and read the, the offense's eyes. We can't go, well, I've got my man. He's over there in the wing. Like, you got to be confident and teach your kids. When we trap, we're fixing it. I don't call it scramble because then the kids just think run around. we got to fix it now, which means everybody's got to get back to being guarded, right? And then we can't, and Coach Bronco spoke on this, you can't foul when you're trapping because mm-hmm. that just Huge. negates the whole trap. Like You cannot you cannot foul. I've been on staff before where we trap the ball screen and we foul and those guys get subbed right away. Mm-hmm. And then the head coach is looking down at me like, you better talk to him because we can't trap the ball screen if we're just going to foul, you know? And
0: so many high school players that I've noticed, when they're trapping, when there's any type of pressure action, it seems like their mind automatically goes to, well, I'm the one that needs to steal this ball. That's why we're, we're doubling it. No, you're, you're making – you're giving the trap so it's a bad pass and then somebody else is going to pick it off.
1: Correct. Correct. And that's why you work on that rotation. And we, well, that's why I do it three-on-three three first, and then we add four-on-four four and then we move the guy. Someone's going to have to take the role, man, because think of it offensively. If you were teaching it offensively, when you get trapped, who's going to be open? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the role man. So you have to teach your defense. If your man's in the left corner, he's not going to throw a hook pass over his head from the left wing, he's going to get trapped and think, all right, where's my five man. So we're going to take his line of vision is going to go right to him. We're going to leave somebody furthest away out open and get a steal off of that. And again, you cannot foul high hands, move your feet. And as he's retreating towards half court, get out of it. Cause now he's getting further and further away from the basket. Okay. If he's, gotcha. he's attacking, if he's turning the corner and he's still, you got to stay in his stance, you got to guard him. Um, one thing real quick, we used to do at K is, coach smith when we do full court zigzag and you can't guard a like position in full court zigzag so if you're going to trap and you're going to be a big in the ball screen defense you're not trapping a big you're trapping a guard so we used to make our bigs guard our guards in full court zigzag so they got used to having to sit down for two or three drills we only did it to half court but our bigs got better as the years went on as the year went on defending a little squirty guards that can get around like um, like a Chad Carlson, for example. Just a jitterbug, strong, but not very tall. Like, stay down and guard him as the big guy and keep your hands out and use your length. You know, drilling it like that. So when you go to trap, it's not the first time having a guard. You know, let's give Chad a couple inches here. 5'9 guard, 5'10 guard. Like, you're not getting used to doing that. I and mean, if you go back and look and think about it, how often do coaches do that? Make They go, every team goes full court zigzag and the bigs go run next, get next to each other. The guards go to each other. And then we go in the ball screen and as soon as the bigs got to come out and trap because he's, he's setting the trap, but now he's guarding the quickest guy in the team and he's not comfortable. So again, you got to fix it. And in practice, you got to let him be bad at it so you can coach him up. Like let him get driven for it and then will stop it and fix it and coach him up because if you're going to be a trapping team, he's got to work on that skill and just that. You know, we get caught up in practice trying to drill all this stuff and then add the trap of wall screen. Like, oh, why can't you get in front of that guy? Well, none of, we didn't do a breakdown drill. to teach you how to close out, you know? Because one thing big guys usually have are long arms. Right. So you just get your arms out, that'll slow them down. So that's a big thing I teach too. Use your length, you know? Get your arms out, get your chest out and don't try to just get too close to them because they don't just squirt right by it.
0: Right. Use your size, use your length, use that, use that space to your advantage. Um, you know, a lot of times you get too close to those those little guards. I mean, that's that's what you want, right? That's what I wanted. If I had a bigger guy guard me, just get a little bit closer. So now you essentially become smaller in a way and boom, now I got a better chance of, of getting around you. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I know I've made mistakes coaching where you see that initial mistake, and so you stop it and you address it. But I love what you're breaking out It's like, no, we got to fix it. And in order to fix it, you got to let your guys play through that initial mistake, whatever that might have been. And now they're starting to figure it out on their own as far as the recovery, the, the fix it instead of scramble. I, I mean, just, I love, I love yeah, some dude. of the terminology you used.
1: I think, I, I, and, I, and, I, and I got that from Keith Danbrot at Duquesne, and he just said, I kept yelling, you know, we got to scramble, we got to scramble, but, and then, then the guys would ask, well, what's the why? You know what? Forget it. You got to fix it. You got to figure it out. And it turns into a life skill as well. Like I talked about at the clinic, like you got to, sometimes it gets messy. You got to figure out a way to find a way to get it done. Like You got to fix defensively. It's not going to, you're not just going to If You follow a pattern on offense. There's no pattern for playing defense. Mm-hmm. There's terminology, there's rules. And then there's going to be a situation where you get in rotation and you get off balance. How do you fix that? And that's going to come with communication. And I think a lot of times when teams do ball screen defense or any kind of defense, The coaches overcoach the defense and the players stop talking in the drill. Hmm. So the coaches are coaching so much and the players in the drill don't want to get corrected. So now they're not communicating with their teammate. So now the drill turns into, I hope I don't mess up. So coach has to stop and make me and talk to me. So I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to call it out. So in practice, as an assistant, even now at Aquinas, I spend a lot of time talking to our players about making sure they're talking when they're in the drill. And make sure they're communicating with their teammate because, like I said at the clinic, I'm going to be in a suit on the sideline. I can't, I'm not going to be standing here in your ear during the game. So you're going to be able to have to fix it and have some communication with your teammate.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's great. That's a great point. Great detail as well. When you're talking about trapping or hard, really hard hedging on a ball screen and you're drilling that in a five-on-five situation, how would how would that rotation look when you're you're trying to drill? Okay. It's a, either a hard hedge or a trap. So your big's going out. Like you said, we got to cover that roll man first. Yeah. How would some of those rotations on the weak side and strong
1: side look? So if it's a so I I call it a three man, a three-man ball screen. So you've got a guy in the strong left corner, guy on the left wing with the ball. Here comes a race on ball screen from the left block. And now you have two guys on the right side. So the, when we trap it on that formation, I'm gonna I am going to jump the row man with the left corner guy, if that okay. makes sense.
0: This that's he the strong side guy, he but he's going away he, from that, right?
1: He's going away from the ball, so he's not yeah. gonna to look to throw it back. Right. Gotcha. Right. And then the two guys that are in the hold position, not help but hold, because when you're helping, you're thinking you've got to go to the ball. I say hold. Cause you're holding like hold your spot before you make a move because you don't pre- if you say help okay, if i help and i have to help him recover no if you hold now you got to hold and look and now you're in fix it mode like okay gosh you skipped it out i gotta run back and jump to the gap and make sure it's on a drive so mm-hmm. that's how i teach the rotation of it almost i don't pre-program it i kind of let them play out of that but i try to use the word hold instead of help because we've been taught to help and recover always goes together And all of a sudden, you're going over there for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like the ball's trapped, Roman's taken away, and you've ran to the midline, and now there's a guy in the right corner standing there wide open, and they skip it to him. Mm -hmm. Because you went to help and recover because you thought you had to go because he looked like he was unguarded. Mm -hmm. Again, what are you willing to give up? He splits the trap and gets to the lane and shoots a pull-up? Or he drives in the lane, you overhelp, and we give up a wide-open three to Steve Kramer for the ninth time at Hope, down six with three minutes to go. Like, we just give up another three to him because we ran over there for no reason. If you go back and watch, especially small college, like United Small College guys, how many open threes on offense off a of ball screen are because of bad rotation defensively? Someone just ends up being open. Like, he, he's not coming in attack mode, but he can see it. And you came over too soon because you were helping, not holding, and he skipped it to your man, and now he gets an open shot. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big proponent on that part of it. We're gonna do we're gonna trap it. You're gonna take the role man. You two guys are in a hold position. You're reading what's coming next because you may not have to do anything except for jump a passing and get a steal.
0: Right. You know? And it also goes back to what you you mentioned a few minutes ago with you know KYP, know your personnel. If especially at the high school level college level, yeah, all five all five of those guys are probably gonna be able to knock down the shot. But Correct. the high school level, there might only be three or four they're gonna be able to knock down that shot. And so knowing knowing the weak link out there, that person knows the scouting report and they can sag off and, and help and do all that good stuff is is huge as well.
1: Coach, that's we, a good role for the assistant coach. Like the assistant yeah. coach, all the head, high school head coaches, that's a good role for the assistant. Like you got a young assistant that wants to move up, teach them how to scout, how to tell me when they sub, okay, so-and-so just went out, coach, we can bread this ball screen because there's one guy out there that can make a shot, but he's also the point guard. Like Mm -hmm. that's something that's for young older coaches that listen to your podcast, find a way to get your young coach engaged, get them to doing the scouting on the defensive side of the wall to help your team.
0: Will you play against the zone this year? Will you play against a one, three, one zone defense this year? If that answer is yes, you might be interested in our, zone offense course focusing on the 131 defense and how you can really try to manipulate the 131 defense to do some di- different things. We offer a five-part video course, 35 plus minutes in total, breaking down different areas that you can utilize to play against the 131. And then we also give you a PDF of the concepts, a handful of 131 quick hitters, and because we like to go above and beyond We'll give you volume one of our blob and slob plays with the Coach's Edge. Now, all my Coach's Edge members listening, remember, don't buy this package. You already have access to it through your Coach's Edge membership. But if you're not a member, you want to become a better zone offense coach, check out the link in the description below. And I will say this, even though this package focuses on one-three-one offensive principles, in fact, there's eight things that Coach Troshak breaks down within this zone offense course. They can be extremely beneficial with any type of zone that you may be playing against. If you have questions, let me know. And to order, you can hit the description in the link below. Let's get to the show.
1: They all want to get the mark and draw the play up. Let's be honest. Our older coach are listening to this. They're not giving up that marker right away. That's why they're still doing it. Get them on the defensive side of the ball. You know we can all draw up something to get us a basket, but can you help me get a stop? And that's the one thing I learned as a young assistant working for Coach Hackman. You need to help us. You need to help our defense. I got our offense. I've been coaching for thirty-five years. I need your help drawing up a play. Nineteen-year-old assistant. I need you to help us learn how to guard ball screens and screen the screener and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That was literally our conversation, Steve. Like he was like, "You're going to be in this game a long time. Figure out a way to to help your head coach without it being offense." And I I was like. All right, defense side of the ball. Here we go.
0: <laughs> there, there you go, and you're and you're still in the game, yeah. uh, which which says a lot about you making you making that happen. So, we've we've talked ice and ball screens. We've talked drop coverage. We've talked hard hedging. We've talked trapping. We've talked talked about switching. Is there any other type of uh, ball screen defense that we haven't touched on that you wanted to mention?
1: Yeah, um, you're a very small team. You don't have very much size and the team you're playing against has a six-eight, six-six, six-seven young man a tall girl, we're going to jam the ball screen. Ball screen comes up, where they come to set a side pick and roll, and we're going to push up like we're almost screening the, the ball screener and the, the ball, ball handler can't shoot, we're going to go underneath everything and just keep everything tight and, and, and pack it in. So we're not going to extend our defense anymore. We're almost going to dare you to shoot that three, knowing that your coach has told you, we're running this ball screen play to hit the road, man. What are you going to do when he's jammed up behind the guy person guarding him? And we're going to go underneath the screen. And we're going to, we're going to really hold them on the inside because you don't have that many shooters. The ball is going to go inside we all played against a team and you played against guys that were throw it in the post, throw it in the post. Jamming the ball screen is one of the – as a part of ball screen coverage to a lot of high school coaches and small college and the big schools, you don't see it very much. And it's almost the easiest one to teach.
0: <laughs> it's funny you say that because now – I can't believe I we, – we talked about that soft flat hedge as well, but jamming the screen, I can't believe I didn't ask that because when, when I was at Hope, we hard hedged it or we jammed the screen. Those were probably our two most common. Yeah. And then more of a, a flat hedge would probably be the third – most common, but knowing who that type of player was using the screen, especially if they weren't going to really pull it from three and be able to say, you know, we had a lot of good big men. I'm thinking of uh, Brandon Crawford, All-American from Albion. When he set that screen, I mean, if if we could jam him a little bit and and hold him a little bit before he gets down to the block where he's really going to do some damage because once he catches it, it's a bucket or we got to double something, being able to hang him up. On, on that screen, is, is a that's great detail for all of those teams out there that are trying to figure out how do they start to slow down one of those really good bigs, especially if they don't have one defensively themselves.
1: I mean, and that—and I was on that Albion, I was on that staff. Like you think about Brandon, I mean, and then you had, he Mike Thomas. you had Mike Thomas and Garrett Gibbons. Again, what are you willing to give up? Well, Brandon Crawford has 25 and Travis Sapri has 17 and Mike's got 18. It's probably a long bus ride back to Holland, but if we can get Brandon to have seven or eight in foul trouble and take away his the ball screen action, which we ran against you guys to try to get him to early touches, get him the ball. Like the coach coaches try to do a good job offensively, but you got to have a plan B defensively if it starts to work. And I think going to the jam, even if your big is in foul trouble, hope everybody heard that. Even if your big is in foul trouble, you can legally jam a screen and not you shouldn't be called for a foul. Sure. Just go up like you're screening him or her and cross your arms and just stand underneath the screen and don't mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. And if you have some savvy to you, like most small college players in the state of Michigan who are smart, as he goes to roll, he's going to what? Or she's going to what? They're going to run into you, fall down. No, so we, actually, yeah. we actually practice that. We're going to try to jam it, then you're going to try to take a charge. And most officials will call that, especially if the big, like Brandon – I love him, but he sometimes would get a little anxious about not scoring. So the role would be a little aggressive and he would run over a couple people <laughs> trying to get to the basket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you see it overseas too. He, uh, yeah. Watching overseas games, the big just is really active and really good and he can't stop as quick as a guard. So
0: when, yeah, I'm thinking of those teams and, and Travis was a nightmare because he'd go inside and outside. And, and I can't remember if Thomas was. Three years or two years older than I was, he was one of my favorite players to play against. But it wasn't because I had success against him; he was lightning lightning quick. But I just loved I loved his game. Um, so, so yes. those were some really good, really good battles with those. And
1: very high basketball IQ. Like that's why he's a high school coach now, and and, and we still talk. He's just like Rick Palmer, who's a, um, brother Rice. Like you look at the some of the guys that play in your era that all played small college. They're some of the best high school coaches in the state right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean those. and and they're teaching the same concepts. They had to defend against schools like Hope and Calvin and L Adrian. Like though we still talk about, you know, remember when such and such school how did they guard that? Oh yeah, they did this. Now they're doing it with their high school team. So it's really, mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I know for a fact that hope no one that plays brother Rice is gonna see the ball screen coverage, but they do blue, red, they jam it. Like Rick and I talk in length about ball screen coverage all the time because it's the kind of kids he gets, he gets some high-level kids, but he's still trying to teach the game the right way.
0: Sure. Okay, so you're preparing for this imaginary opponent. They're just stacked, very good. What type of ball screen is the most difficult to guard for you? Or maybe I can't ask that.
1: No, the most difficult ball screen to guard is a team that runs really good motion. I'm not sure if you've watched Trine the last couple of years with Brooks Yeah. yeah Miller I mean, my goodness, Steve, their ball screen, they, it come, you don't know when it's coming. I mean, I don't think they have a call, you know, now that I'm not in the league, maybe if I buy them dinner, I can actually get the ins and outs. Cause I want to know, like, how do you get your guys to just race up out of nowhere and just go to set a ball screen for the right person coming off of it. Like the motion offense like theirs, where there's a lot of cutting, a lot of moving pieces. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a middle pick and roll and you don't have time to, get in your rotation and get to your hold spots. It's just, you got to figure it out. Um, teams like that pattern offensive teams are a little bit easy. Cause you know, when it's coming But the teams, you know, like I said, big, small college guy, um, I would, I'd, I used to lose sleep trying to find a way to defend trying their ball screen, their ball screen action. Cause then mm-hmm. there was no pattern. I don't think Brooks ever ran a set when I was at K or Albion in the league. Like it's just his motion is so good.
0: Yeah, it's tough to guard, regardless. When you got guys just playing off of each other, making reads, playing yes. playing the game of basketball, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and that's why they're one of the best small college teams in in the nation, and we'll be again again yeah, sure. again this year. Sure. Um, this has been this has been awesome, and we've talked about some small college basketball uh, throughout this episode as well, um, while we focused on ball screen defense. What are some of the biggest value adds for kids to go on and play small college basketball?
1: It's the community, it's the family of brothers that you're going to have once you're done. I mean, I could, we had a five-minute conversation with coach at the clinic and I asked, I mentioned one shooter's name and you mentioned the four guys you played with and what they're doing right now after basketball. At institutions like Hope, Calvin, Cornstone, Aquinas, like those guys are going to stand up in your wedding. Um, I was blessed to coach uh, some guys that ended up going on to some other schools when I was coaching with the Storm. And even those guys are still connected. You know, um, it's the network of brotherhood you're gonna have when you might need a job or you hear about a job. Um, and it's the alums that, it's close knit. Everyone talks about how some of the bigger schools have the close knit, close family, alumni base. Well, all these small college I've been to, that's very close knit and they take care of each other. They look out for each other. Um, they support each other. Um, and they, th- there's very important the value of going to those kind of schools. And the education is top notch, you know. I, I want to maybe beat every team on our schedule. even when I was at MIAA schools, like you just understand the degree you're gonna get, the network people are gonna have going to, have to go into some of the schools in our state and small class sizes and those kind of things. The one on one you'll get with a professor, like it was so neat to see one year I'm at Kay and our guy's struggling in a class, and the professor and this young man are having lunch. They're going That's over awesome. the, like you're and then you know, I'm not knocking your big schools, but you're not. There's no lecture hall of 200 or 300 at some of the schools we're talking about. Like he's sitting down on this lunch break having a conversation with this young man about his business that class and trying to help him understand what he's missing. Things like that to me, I think are invaluable. And I think at this stage of my career, like I'm, I'm, in, I'm in small college for a reason. And I think it's, it's been a blessing. You know, we have a game tonight and I'm looking forward to it because, you know, one of the coaches I'm coaching against has been my best friend for a long time. And you saw a lot of the same short stories and it's been great.
0: I love it. I mean, that's that's a mic drop right there for reasons to to play small college basketball. And for our coaches listening, I mean, take your kids to a small college basketball game or, you know, see what a practice schedule is and check out a practice. That would be huge. And I think um, really eye opening for a lot of um, high school players who think that, you know, they have the ability to play at the next level. And maybe they do. Maybe they don't. After going to see a, a small college basketball, there's a reason those kids are playing at the next level. A uh, couple fun questions to to finish. Yeah. Best ball handle, ball screen point guard you've ever seen.
1: Best ball screen point Isaiah Thomas. Oh, I like it. I like it,
0: Isaiah Thomas. Okay, best best ball screener you've ever seen.
1: Carmelo. Hmm. Mm. Show my age a little bit, Steve.
0: <laughs> hey, <that's>, I, <laughs> hey, you can't go wrong with. I mean, those those are two of the all time all time greats, right there. Okay, let's get a little more specific with the defensive side. Now, who, when you think of ball screen defense, who is a big screen defender that you're like, they, they would have been a nightmare to try to score on off of a ball screen?
1: Oh, man, it, it really, I at I least love going to watch Michigan State I love the way Draymond Green and Matt Costello on that era of Michigan State basketball, Adrian Payne, even Derek Nix at his size, like Michigan State at the time. And then you even look at uh, Hunter Dickerson now at Michigan. I mean, being close with Jay Smith, still getting to go watch Michigan practice when they, Jawan, the way he coaches the ball screen coverage and looking at Hunter Dickerson, his size, how he can move. Like, there's just no way you're getting around that guy. They're just mm-hmm. so big. But I mean, and I'm a Michigan guy. I root for all the Michigan teams, but like those guys, at that level and being athletic and you know knowing Xavier Tillman and then coming in and watching him as a freshman, how he can cover NBA guys now in the ball screen action. He was taught that skill while he was in college, if that makes sense. So those kind of guys.
0: No, you're you're right on the money with Tillman. The Tillman Tillman's a cool story, man, because like some of the things that he added uh, going to the NBA, he was doing them. He was a master at them in college. By the time he got to the NBA, he was doing those things that they needed at the next level better than a lot of the NBA players already. Like, I mean, just with the defense, his movement, his spacing, Um, obviously yeah. well coached with, with Izzo, and that's been fun to see him be able to, to really go at the next level. Who's the best on-ball defender that you've seen? <sighs> if you got to add more than one, that's fine.
1: I mean, one of the best, you may not know this name, but one of the best on ball defenders is my favorite player ever. That's Jacques Vaughn who played Kansas. Mm,
0: okay, yeah. Yep. And
1: then Steve, Steve Wojohowski was a nightmare. Um, and then one of my, I mean, hopefully, I might have to send this to him after I say his name, but um, one of the first Spartans I was really got close with was Travis Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Tom Tom Nairn was really, really good on the ball. And believe it or not, not the quickest guy in the world, but I liked uh Trey Burke as an on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very. He was. He would study your moves. He would study your dribbles. He would time you up and try to take the ball from you. And then, uh, of course, you know, small college. Even though I could, never never could have beat him, was little Chad. Chad was a nightmare guarding the ball. Chad Carlson. Hope he was. He was very good. And then um, Malik Jones, who plays for me now at Aquinas. He's in that. I mean, we only had one game, but a bunch of practices. Guys look for him when we go full court zigzag to make sure they're not going against them. I mean, little Malik is a, is a jet. But one thing about guarding the ball is you got to have the right mindset. that you're not trying to follow, you're just trying to speed them up to get the ball taken away by other people. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of all those guys I mentioned, they had that skill. Even Chad Washington coaching against him when he was at Hope, like you never really saw Chad take the ball from people, but you saw him throw the ball, make people throw the ball in the stands, make people travel had to make people call timeout. Like when I teach guards about guarding the ball, that's what you want to be making them do, you know, make them do something they don't want to. You just just can't come down and run your offense and say you're a good on the ball defender. Those players I just named, they made you do other stuff you didn't want to do. Right,
0: right. No, that's, I mean, you give them the names, you give them what some of the skills that they did. They did well. I played against uh, Travis Walton in Germany, actually. Yeah, nice, nice player, super high basketball IQ. And I think he was Big Ten defensive player of the year one year, wasn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and again, they talk about his, you know, he's not very good offensively. But again, for all the high school coaches, it's about fit. You might have a young man like Travis Walton. How's that head coach? Like a coach like Izzo, he knew what he needed for that team. He was putting the puzzle together and Travis was that missing piece. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have five scores and Travis was the ultimate teammate and was very good for that Michigan State program and brought some toughness that we all know Izzo loves, that Michigan State toughness to talk about. He embodied that, and if you're the opposing, night, opposing point guard, you knew you were going to go 12 rounds with Travis. He was going to keep coming and keep coming, and it's just totally to, – to me, I think if you can get a point guard that can play defense like that, it changes the whole tempo of your – first of all, it, it injects enthusiasm in your team because they know they see it every day at practice and it takes the offense out whatever they want to do because he can be really good without fouling.
0: No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Another another, uh, Michigan ball screen guy that comes to my mind, and I had the chance to play against him one time, which was like a a dream for me, was Mateen Cleaves. Oh. The way that – I mean, he could defend it was as good as anybody as well, but the way that he used the ball screen, I mean, he had eyes in the back of his head. And a quick quick stories, we're finishing out, and then I'll, I'll let you have some of the final words. Yeah. We're playing against Mateen Cleaves in like a pro-am, and he was truly the quarterback. And so he's bringing yeah. the basketball up, and he is literally like pointing and telling everybody like where to go, what to do, when they're going to do it. And he would come off the ball screen or whatever type of action, and he, he, I don't know if he ever touched the ball with both hands. He would, he would get it and zip the ball off of the dribble on a dime, time it and hit somebody yeah. right in motion, whether they were cutting, whether they were spotting up, whether they're going up for, for a dunk. And like he, he his passing was like was more accurate than yeah. people shooting the basketball. It was un, it was unreal.
1: I was blessed real quick. I have to add on to that to watch him after Michigan State practice spend 10 minutes with Cassius Winston. I couldn't write fast enough. <laughs> he spent 10 minutes after practice with Cassius just working on what you're talking about. They put mm-hmm. managers in different spots. And I think Mateen might have had like some unlaced up Air Force Ones on. Didn't matter. Like he'd make an in and out cross, r- right hand across his body on target. Like he was trying to teach and talk to Cash about delivering the ball on time and on target. And like it's a skill set. You think, ah, oh, it's basketball. You should know how to do it. No, like the way you explained it, that's high level. And guys want to play with guys like that you know, for sure. That's, the team was, he's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. No question. There's another level to, to passing whether it's off the ball screen, off the bounce. And uh, I was fortunate enough to see that with, with him coach. This has been a, a ton of fun. Listen, you're welcome back on the podcast. Anytime you know, to break down any other subject. Um, I know our listeners, I speak for them. We'd be happy to, to have you back. Um, good luck tonight in uh, your first game of the season. And, any closing thoughts? I'll leave it to you.
1: I just appreciate um, you having me on, but I also appreciate you you know—you sharing the game in a positive manner for all the coaches out there that aren't subscribed or haven't you know, gotten into all the information that you have. I've done some digging and you're doing an amazing job. And I think that our state needs to have more people like you, just to be honest, that do it for the right reasons, trying to help kids, trying to help coaches um, and help evolve our game so our young men and young women can go on and not just, play basketball to win games, but to use it for a tool of life. Like the educational piece of the, you know, the structure of being on a team and showing up early and staying late. I think um, our state um, needs to continue to grow and go, move forward. And I also think the game of basketball can lead to so many doors. I mean, you got to think, oh, I, I'm, I'm owing whatever against you when you were at home, but the game of basketball is now keeps us connected forever. And the people we know through coaching you and you guys you played against, like, it's a huge fraternity. And I think that in closing, I, I just appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and any coach that wants to contact me, we'll make sure we can do that. I'm an open book, come into our practice, come to our games, our schedules up. Um, we want to have as many coaches help as many coaches, especially young coaches. Cause I was a young coach once. I remember I started when I was 19 and I'm now a little older than that. So any young coach listening to this, it's an open invitation to contact me to get you, start in the right direction because it's a great game. It's a great game.
0: I appreciate that, Coach. Very kind words. Thank you very much. And Aquinas College, Grand Rapids, Michigan, I'll put Coach White's uh, Twitter contact. You can follow him on Twitter and reach out to him personally through there. A great person to, to follow. And Coach is a great teacher of the game because he's a great student of the game. And I think great, great teachers have a few things in common, right? They're a student of the game. They're always trying to learn in order to be a good teacher, you talked about the communication piece. You need to be able to take what you know as a student and be able to communicate it to somebody else, which is that teaching component. And that goes into how you communicate and the care factor. And uh, Coach White is one of those people. He cares about making other people better. You certainly do. So thank you, Coach White. To everybody listening, appreciate you guys listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Uh, if you get a chance to leave a positive rating on Apple, that will go a really long way as we continue to grow the Coach's Edge. So thank you for listening. And as always, get after today. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. We certainly hope that you found it beneficial. We hope that there were some actions with the ball screen defense that Coach White broke down that you say, oh yeah, that's really going to help our team. The ball screen is so, so common in today's game that if you don't have a good plan in place for how you're going to defend it, I think you're really going to struggle, especially against those teams that really practice that ball screen within their offense every single day. Gotta have a plan, gotta rep it out, has to have a high level of communication that goes along with it. And you know, I hope that this episode was a little bit of a blueprint for how you can decide what's gonna work best for your program and start to put those things into place. Can't thank Coach White enough for being on the coach's edge. He's got a, a, a permanent uh, requests to always come back on the coach's edge. He's always, always welcome. Uh, thank you for listening. Coach's best wishes this basketball season as we really start to get into it. Um, good luck to you. If there's anything that I can do for you, uh, please reach out. I know Coach White feels the same way. If you have questions about uh, this podcast, I'll put his contact information in the description below. Thank you again. And as always, get after today.